Frank, I love designing applications. Oh, good. Me too. It's kind of why I got into it. I always thought I'd be an artist as a kid. Like when, when people asked you what you want to be when you grow up, what would you tell them? I told them I wanted to be an accountant. Wow, nerd. <laughs> okay. well, I loved math. That's I loved cool. math. I loved math. And then here's what here's what happened. Uh, also in school, I don't know if your school did it, but maybe I was in fourth or fifth or sixth grade, but they did this sort of, here's all the things that you can be. Like when you grow up, you can be these things. And also here's how, how much money, like it ranks. Then I don't yeah. think they put a dollar amount, but they did put like, here's how it ranks. And there was like nurses and doctors and there was an accountant. And I was like, I love math. I love accountant. And then I took a bunch of math classes and I said, I love math. Definitely don't want to do this forever. And then I took a computer class and that changed my, my scope forever. But I never wanted to be a designer because my sister got all of the design and art uh, skills in my entire family, just like she was the only one that got the braces. Uh, and as you just said, though, it's a skill. Anyone can learn. It's just a practice thing. But I like how with presented all the evidence, you came up with accountant, like with engineers, scientists, they weren't listed <laughs> or the pay grade just wasn't high enough, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. OK. Anyway, so um, she got all the design genes, but somehow you still like designing apps. Tell me more, James. I was always told by the designers at Xamarin that I had a knack for design and or an eye for design. Like you have an eye for design. You're not a designer, but you have an eye <laughs> for design. And, uh, you know, what What I've talked about on the podcast before is I've always taken the approach of, um, you know, building on top of, you know, the amount immense of the mass amount of research that big enterprises and companies have done when it goes going into design and UX studies. So when I go to build mobile apps or desktop apps, what does Microsoft do? What does Google do? What does Apple do? And I've always loved the visualization part. Where do I put the, the screens and where do I do this and taking an inspiration from all these websites. Um, and that's always been my favorite part, but it sort of feels like going into 2020 that maybe some of that creativity is being stagnated by the fact that we are now sort of forced in a way to implement dark mode in our apps. And Frank, before <laughs> you say anything, I will say that we are forced to use and implement dark mode because have you ever had an app that you booted up and it was at night and you had dark mode on? And it wasn't dark mode enabled or heck, Frank, you were browsing the inner tubes on the interwebs and you go to a website. And it's like in your face and you're like, how did I ever live this way? I never want to go to this website again. So we're sort of forced yeah. into this design theory of two very distinct contrasting modes. This is how you do it. Aha. Uh -huh. So we're calling this episode, We Hate Dark Mode. No, <laughs> because no, no, I love dark mode. I love dark I'm mode. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, um, I just want to reiterate, yes, I have been blinded by apps. And actually, it's become a little bit worse uh, with Mac OS having a dark mode, because I can get most of my screens pretty dark. And then you open that web page. And oh, my God, it's just like the whole room lights up because of this one single web page. So, yeah, it's frustrating. Either uh, we should probably just put a PSA in real quick. If you are a web designer, there are CSS selectors, media selectors you can use to find out if you're in dark mode or not. Please, for the love of God, use them. 
please tell your manager you absolutely need to implement this today just for Frank. It's important to Frank. Thank you. PSA over. Um, (laughs) So, okay. And now I'm going to be contrarian. You don't have to do dark mode and light mode, baby. You can just do dark mode. Don't do only light mode. That would be terrible. But you can totally just do dark mode. Uh, My app MoCast is pretty much dark mode only. And it's not because I actually played around with it in the beginning. I had light modes and dark modes of it. But I decided in the end that I wanted to devote all my attention and my brain power to just one instead of splitting it and each one getting 50% of my love and attention. That's a really great point. And and is that, yeah, I guess you're not forced to do multiple modes. Although I do have to ponder when you implemented dark mode in, in this app, did you go about doing it in a way that you could mul- have multiple themes or were you just hard coding values into your app for everything? I ended up hard coding values into the app because what I found was that theming abstraction is hard. Yeah. Um, coming up with a dark mode and a light mode and you, you necessarily have to go through an abstraction layer then. You can't just say black text. You have to say text for this color background. (laughs) That's what you have to say. And it's hard. It's a lot of work. And I decided the benefit wasn't there. Uh, The app looked gorgeous in dark mode. I I thought there were no readability issues or anything like that. And so I decided to just stop wasting so much engineering effort. It felt like such over-engineering, James, where you could just plug a color value into the stupid color value property and that's fast and efficient (laughs) and so i decided that's what i had to do got it that that makes sense and i think i used to allow the system there's kind of two ways to approach this theming which is allow the system to do everything for you which means you can't set a color on anything and you take the system defaults for anything um so background colors text colors all these things or, or just go this route and uh, I've always been a fan of letting the system do everything, but I, I think I don't think you can really do that anymore because even today you need to set system colors that are reactive to light and dark mode. So you might as well have control over that light and theme mode. So you have more flair or the ability to put in style because in MoCast, even though you implemented it in a dark theme, I would still say that there's personality to the application. And that's one thing that I think has been sort of hindered, at least from my perspective, that I would love that it wasn't hindered, right? And and, and yeah. that's what I'm interested about in this design system now. Well, let's go back to what you were saying about the system defaults. So if we create an iOS app from scratch, and as you said, don't change the color of anything, it'll look fine on both. Mm-hmm. Life will be good. Um. But that's not actually what Apple, how Apple tells you to design apps in their human interface guidelines. Since iOS 7, they have said, these controls that you see here are not your app. They are just content around the content of your app. And it's a different way of thinking about it. Your app's design becomes minimalistic, the flat design as we call it, in order to make the content of the app pop out. Now, this can mean different things. If the content of your app is, say, Photos app, that makes perfect sense. The photos do the coloring of the app. 
And uh, if you're doing, let's say, a circuit app, you know, the main content is the circuit, so you don't have to worry about the auxiliary controls. They keep saying, make the content shine through and minimize, minimize your UI around it. And they gave us wonderful controls to do that, um, vibrancy and blur. Vibrancy isn't just overlaying a darker window on top of some content. It actually pulls and saturates that content to pop it, to bring it out under dark mode and light mode. It can handle both. So when you say, like, take the system defaults can look a little boring or plain, in some ways they're intended to because you're supposed to make other parts of your app pop out. Um, heavily designed the content parts not the buttons and the labels i guess is what i'm saying yeah and, and that's sort of sometimes my struggle when i go into app design is that i don't have beautiful images and artwork and i'm not you yeah. know vox and i'm not the new york times where i have these very picturesque you know when you look at a, a carousel view you're flipping through even the, the store these beautiful cards that you're swiping through in the app store or whatever it's like yeah, I don't have art. I don't have an artist working for me building this stuff. I have James and I'm going to flip through a, a, a few little little generic cards or whatever. And how do I fill that in? That's sort of my the struggle I mostly have too, to make that pop. But I think you're right that that let the content shine, the content uh, uh, to, to draw that eye, like you're saying, to it and, and make sure that that's the important part of the application. The background color and the background things are not not important uh, in the stretches application. What's the important thing? It's it's well the stretches themselves, which well the containers are not super important, but having a nice animation showing someone how to do it, or having the timer pop and being easy mm -hmm. to read and understandable is what's important on that page. Yeah. Also, you can implement the feature I wanted where you get all your friends drunk and take pictures of them. So we told, I mean, that can be your content. Like that could completely style your app. The photography could be the theme. If it's white background photography, your app is a light mode. If it's black background photography, your app is in a dark mode. There's so many fun things you can do here. Uh, I'm just realizing how I don't spend enough time doing any of this. <laughs> yeah, I well, think so, about it a lot, but don't do it. <laughs> so, so how do you, how do you in 2020, cause you've started new applications. How have you gone about this or are you just slapping stuff together? No, I went the full nuclear option, James. Mm -hmm. I said, you are absolutely right. I cannot figure out, well, in the case of iCircuit, I can't figure out a way to make this content pop anymore, how to make it look the way I want so that the UI, the app disappears and it's just content-based. So I started writing a new version of it that is 100% color and content-based because that is how I'm going to define the theme of my app in that area, not in the button background color or any of that stuff. Of course, I'm forced to do some of that stuff, but I try to minimize it. I set the theme um, kind of my own. I guess there's different levels of apps. So let's think like in Spacey. Spacey was a dark mode. It's a game, really. So you set the theme of the game by the game itself, the art content of the game. Um, MoCast, um, it was a real question of like, how do I make audio content pop, James? <laughs> well, thankfully, all podcasts have at least podcast artwork. And normally you would like show an icon view, and that just seems so boring. Like I didn't want to write like yet another iOS table view with an icon in the left-hand side. And so what I did was I took that image, I stretched it out to God knows what size. 
I blurred the heck out of it, added gradients to it, and added a parallax filter on top of the table view so that it's constantly shifting and glimmering. So you just find whatever content you have and desperately just turn it visual somehow. Turn that stupid thing visual. Like if I didn't do that, I might take a spectrogram of the audio and I'll turn that visual. That would give you some uh, visual indicators. Mm. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, taking taking what is there and and trying to think outside of the box and what other what uh, what are those other aspects that draw your eye towards it and and you know you had the idea with the stretches application which was I, I have now standardized on this light theme dark theme which is I start every new application and I I copy a bunch of uh, resource files and a theme helper. And all of a sudden I have light theme and dark theme and all of my controls are styled. And then, you know, when you do that, it, it's like, and here's a generic theme, which is a good starting point. And, and you need to start somewhere. And, and you had told me, what if you add some more color into it? You know, you, you have just kind of a gray text on a black uh, or white background, you know, shades of white and black, but they're there. And you're like, you know, that you have stretches. So, you know, it needs this collaboration. So like, you're like, what else can you do here? Are there varying levels of difficulty? Are there different lengths of time? Like what's the, how are these spread out? So just like you did with the, the podcast or the audio, I said, well, you know, yeah, you start you start simple and you start with stre- these stretches and they become more difficult and they're actually categorized. There's three different types of stretches and categories inside that. And you're like, well, why don't you put color to those, right? And I go, oh, oh well, that makes sense. And, and then I said, well, what else can I do? Well, I can not only add a little um, background accent color to it, but I could maybe even change the 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 colors on the tabs. So instead of the text being just gray, well, now it's blue and yellow and red for the different difficulties as you go. So your eye, the the color, the accent, not only is for drawing your eye to it, but it's with purpose. And I think that's what's really important as we help make these applications stand out more. Well, why is that styrograph or that little line of the audio there? Well, that's important because... What if the audio is playing, but you have your headphone muted or you're not hearing something? Well, there's a visual indicator with movement that something is happening and that and that's of importance. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great stuff. I love that. And I'm I'm sorry for anything I ever suggest for your apps. I often project my inadequacies onto my friends. So if I see something black and white designed, I'm like, oh God, that's how I would have designed it. Would you please add some color? Because that's that's the little devil on my shoulder saying, Frank, add some color to this app. Like people like color. Color is good. <laughs> color is good. You know what's even better than color? You ready for this? Mm. Gradients. Everybody loves a gradient. Who doesn't need a gradient? It's 2020. Gradients are everywhere. They should be like two lines of code in every framework. Absolutely. But you know, what's the easiest way to get a gradient? I, I don't know. What? What? Oh, I use Pancake View, but that's me. Pancake View? Okay, yeah. that's it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about upping my game a little bit. We did a whole episode on Scene Kit in iOS, and there's a lot of stuff pre-baked into it that do some nice rendering tricks. And one of them is they have a sky generator. 
So you tell it the weather conditions, you tell it the sun position or uh, your location, uh, time of day, and it'll generate a sky photo. And I'm like, gosh, that thing would be so useful as just background, you know, instead of a gradient gray background, how about just show me the stupid sky outside you know it doesn't even have to be animated it can just be there for visual flair just a little bit of free design element i always think like steal something from nature like it's already pretty (laughs) We're, we're biologically predisposed to think these things are pretty so we think they're pretty so go outside take a picture of something guess what it's royalty free now and throw that in your app uh our phones have awesome cameras on them that's a good point too. Yeah, you know who does a good job of this? Um, I'm all uh, of of photography. Uh, no, of adding of adding small little helpers that are visually of importance. And you're going to be like, "Wow, James, this is stupid because it's been there forever." But uh, your weather application on your iPhone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you open it up, and there's all of these rows of all the cities that you have, and immediately. There are subtle animations or backgrounds of is it sunny, is it dark, is it raining, is it snowy, and it has important information. There could just be an icon, but there's something about that visual indicator, right? We talk about this motion and this movement, this visual indicator that's there that is quite important, like in the timer countdown that I have. Well, I could just have a big number counting down, but I have a circular sphere that is filling up so someone can easily see am i 50 percent? am i 100 percent, or whatever across the road so that that move that movement that aspect of it becomes uh quite important yeah yeah actually we've been talking about color long enough i want to do another psa uh this is a lesson i learned over a long time um you can use color absolutely use color i've been talking about color this whole time but when you start using it for information purposes we we as programmers tend to do something stupid and start using color for identification. Uh, We were talking about this with those resistor values the other day where I was saying how there's a color code on the resistors and then I'm however many years old and I still can't read it. Um, Color for identification is a bad idea. Number one, people can't remember it. Number two, people who are colorblind can't see it. Mm. So that's pointless. Color has a great role, though. Color's role is separation. How do you separate some content from some other content? Because usually, even if you're a little bit hue blind, you won't be brightness blind. You can tell a dark color versus a light color. You can tell a a barrier between two colors. Use color for separation. Don't ever, ever use it for identification, or at least don't rely on it for identification. Um, if you have status text that isn't text, it's just a red re- a rectangle, and it turns red when it's bad and green when it's good, that's terrible. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> Put the word good and bad next to it. Um, absolutely keep doing it, but don't use color for identification. Okay, PSA over. I like that. And in fact, I have a comment on that, but Frank, let's first take a quick break so I can gather my thoughts as I do this sponsor break. And thank our good friends over at Syncfusion. Listen, you know Syncfusion. You love Syncfusion. Hopefully, you're using Syncfusion to build beautiful applications with stunning design with all their beautiful controls, no matter what type of application you're building, whether it's a web application with Blazor, ASP.NET, Angular, React, Vue, or just jQuery, or beautiful mobile applications for Xamarin or UWP or desktop apps for WPF or WinForms. They have every single thing 
that you possibly need from beautiful charts, graphs, spinners, countdown clocks, pop-ups, time dialogues, data visualization, importing, exporting of Word, Excel, PDFs, and more. They have absolutely everything that you need to build your great next application. Head over to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more about all the great things that they have for Xamarin and how you can start a free trial or if you qualify for their free community edition and give that a look. Get started today by going to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Thank you, Syncfusion. I thought you were going to bring them up when we were talking about the gradients, James. <laughs> oh, nope, nope, nope. I'm just going to go. You know, I go straight at it because, well, I mean, you get it was gradients everywhere. Gradients for days. <laughs> um, okay, so on that specifically, that is a great point about it. Um, I have people in my family that are colorblind. And yeah, there are some great resources on the internet from, from all the companies on building and designing for inclusivity. Um, and, and definitely color and contrast are part of that too. Uh, and I think you're right about the wording. So in the stretches, there are the color indicator cues, but they don't impact or have real, they have purpose, but they're not essential for doing anything. They're more of a visual indicator, but there is a word on the screen too. So the word on the screen um, for each of the exercises, tell you the category. So flexion or extension or, or, or stretch, basically whatever the, the generic ones are for laying down, but there's, there's three different categories and that category isn't hidden. It's, it's in words on the page. So even if you were colorblind, you were looking at the app or maybe, um, um, you were, um, had, were visually impaired you could use TalkBack and you would still get that um, information as you were swiping through. Yeah, um, I like to think of this as designing for the real world. Um, I, when I worked at GM, we would get cars that were basically off of the, um, not the showroom floor, but like the, the designers. The designers sculpted this car out of clay, built it from lasers, have this one gorgeous thing. It's gone on all the press road trips. The magazines have published beautiful photos of it. And then it gets handed to us lowly engineers. And we have to make it what's called legally safe. <laughs> and yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> you basically have to butcher this design that these very talented people came up with in order to make this thing actually work in the real world, unfortunately be cost effective and, you know, not kill anyone, et cetera, et cetera. And so I learned that at a young age. Um, your intentions might be great, but it's uh, you, you've got to face the real world. And in this case, it means adding a label to your app. It'd be wonderful if you could get away with not just the color there but yeah put that label on anyway I, again people don't know what colors mean they know red is different from green they know that much but they don't know what red means what green means so that label is good for everyone i think in this case <laughs> yeah I, that's a good point is there is even for a lot of organizations there's the uh, additional security checks and also just usability checks that go through the application. So part of that design process, while you may want to make the most beautiful design in the entire world, you know, that doesn't mean that it's going to be accessible or it's going to be uh, make impact either for your users. So that's something to take a look at when you're 
um, when you're building your app. Yeah. Hmm. You know, um, I don't know how we got onto the accessibility kick, so I'm going to veer us a tiny bit more toward the we hate dark mode kick again. Okay. I, I don't know. Why, why do you hate dark mode, Frank? What, what, did, what did dark mode do to I you? Just, I read into your words in the beginning. Oh. I'll stop reading into your words. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I'll tell you uh, where I go for inspiration. I like to go back to all the um, old retro art from the early computer days. In fact, here in Seattle, we're very lucky. We have the Living Computer Museum where you can go back and see all these amazing ideas that people had for what computers could be, what they would eventually become. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are just so pretty. A lot of them come with uh, magazines drawn by cool 1970s artists and like, the super trippy style. I love it all. I go to that stuff. I love retrofuturism. I love the Cybertruck. Um, whenever I'm feeling like I, I'm so tired of how an app looks, I'll just go to that museum or I guess just Google around for, you know, old old computers and ideas from the past. There are so many good ideas from the past that just didn't survive into the present, not because they were bad ideas, but just because that's how things go. You know, uh, some ideas went out, some become popular, some die off. But doesn't mean they were all necessarily bad. So I love going back to that old stuff and trying to steal slash draw inspiration from them. You know, it's a fun thing to do too, uh, in that regard is to watch, uh, like house hunters or renovation shows Oh, and especially renovation shows, because sometimes you get to see the old and get to see the new and some designers do incorporate the old into the new. And that is quite fun. We've been watching a lot of house hunters and house hunters renovators. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's background noise for the most part, like any of, any of those shows are, they, they pump out like a 5 billion of them a year. So you can just constantly have them on loop on Hulu, but those are quite fun because thinking about uh, when, when people, um, are on these shows and, and they look at something physical around them, their eyes are drawn to certain characteristics. So is it the contrast between the cabinets and the counters or the texture? And then how could you bring some of those visual elements from the real world into um, your application too? Because obviously if it's appealing in the real world, it would also be probably relatively appealing in your application because those two things are not really all that different anymore. Yeah. Wow. You, you nailed that the... I would say like the key to anything looking good is contrasts. It's like the first thing you learn when you learn how to paint. It's like, do you see that color? Yeah, that's bright. Do you see that? Yeah, that's dark. Guess what? Those are different. Make sure they come out different when you paint it. You know, contrasts are needed. You need a soft spot uh, in order to be able to see a hard spot. You need a you need a bunch of hard spots in order to see a soft spot. You know, it all works backwards and forwards. It's all good stuff. And yeah, uh, go to an art museum, Google around, all that stuff. It's sounding very pretentious now. So how do you actually implement it? I like to start, whenever I start an app, I decide what its theme is going to be. And I don't mean this in API terms. I mean, what is the overall aesthetic of the app going to be? And so... You know, I'll play around for a while in MoCast. I decided you're a dark app. For my uh, new app, I decided you're a photorealistic app. Um, you know, decide on a theme. That theme might be boring. <laughs> and that means like using just straight up all the built-in um, um, OS level uh, toolkit items. 
But honestly, it's one of the very first things that I think about when writing an app. I almost can't write an app until I've decided what its theme is going to be. It's a little broken in my head. Yeah, it's 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 the I need to do all of the authentication before I before I work on the <laughs> on the on the an important part of my app. I can't I can't do anything until my user can log in. What are they logging into, Barry? I don't know. We haven't done the back end yet. Okay, like all right, you know, put up a login screen and then just click a button and go to success. And but I think there's a different implication here because the login scenario is easy to skip. If you don't think about accessibility, you don't think about theming, and you don't think about um, what is the other thing that I'm thinking about? Oh, um, um, translations into your application, not necessarily from the very first step, but early on, it does make it relatively hard to retroactively go through and do all that because your mind starts to think a lot different. Yeah, uh, you absolutely should call me out for bike shedding. And that's exactly what I do in the beginning of an app. But at the same time, themes need time to bake and they need time to be played around with. I have never had success trying to slap a theme onto an app that wasn't designed for that theme from the get go. Its whole UI is baked around that theme is what I'm saying. It needs time. Um, I take screenshots of my apps continuously while they're under development. I highly recommend everyone do it because it's always a blast to go back in time and just see how ugly your theming was kind of in the beginning. So absolutely, it's not the most important thing. Um, People, you know what, though? It is kind of important because (laughs) people pay a lot of money for apps for features, but people buy apps because the screenshots look good and your icon looks nice and your text Mm -hmm. is nice. So your theme does matter. It does. And and you do want to look out and, and be different in a, in a sea of apps. You know, there, there needs to be something that, that encourages somebody to download and install that app. And, and, my fear nowadays is that I have minimal apps on my phone. A lot of them are the default Google apps. So when I open messages or I open keep or I open settings or phone or contacts, there's not really flair there at all. But that has me jaded because those are system apps, kind of like a note taking app and and messages and this. And I was like, OK, well, there's not really theming or style here. So that was sort of my like when we first tried to record this podcast, I was like really negative. I was like, everything is terrible, but that's not necessarily the case. The case is just, I need to look above and a little bit beyond those sort of stock applications and, and what can distinguish and make an app really beautiful, right? If it's, if it's the, the color pickers or if it's, um, the indicators that are lighting up or or specific theming to the application that can um, really, like you said earlier, make my eye drawn to it. And, and that's a good way. Like in my Hue application, you know, there's there's nice little cards and little icons, but there's beautiful, you know, little little pickers for the colors and the indicators. And you can assign different things that, that makes your eye sort of pop towards it. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's so easy to get jaded about this stuff, especially when you're doing cross-platform because it's like you're trying to make it look good everywhere. You're like, should I make it look native-y or should I just go with my own design? You can get very frustrated and all that. 
Um, I have one more place where I go to when I'm getting frustrated, and this is going to sound a little bit weird, but I go download a bunch of chat apps, not from American companies, um, in particular, Asian chat apps are amazingly designed. They're almost like video games in a chat app. And whenever I need some kind of inspiration or just need to break my head out of a design box that I'm stuck in, I go and try a bunch of crazily designed apps. And in this case, I've picked my genre that I prefer to go to. I go toward the chat apps and I sign up for a million social networks. I can't ever read the text. I have no idea where the emails are going. But um, there's a real animation culture, at least in Japan. And so you get some beautifully animated and designed apps. I personally don't think I'll ever be able to achieve these levels. Even if you don't like the aesthetic, like it's definitely a certain aesthetic, but that aesthetic and it's um, uh, the nuts and bolts of it, the way they're doing animation, the way they do transitions, th that would apply to any aesthetic. So don't get caught up in just the colors they use or anything like that. But just the thinking outside the box, devoting a lot of time and attention to movement things and color it's just it's fun to see new ideas and that's where i go to for new ideas <laughs> got it yeah i like that idea too is sometimes you know like i said in my little bubble of apps everything starts to feel the same because well i have the same 40 apps on my phone and i use them over and over and over again so of course they feel the same so yeah break out of that comfort zone a little bit and, and explore um, some different genres of applications that maybe you may not use every single day or maybe competitors to what you are using to sort of uh, break that mold. Hmm. Oh, one more. Sorry. Kids apps. I download tons of kids apps because my theory is if they can figure out a UI to make it work for kids, then hopefully my users will be able to use it too. <laughs> so I, I, I don't think there's anything... I think good UIs are coming out in the kids apps area. Like you have two-year-olds and one-year-olds playing on iPads and that's, you know, they found a way to make those UIs work. Nice. I like it. Yes. That was hey, fun. I, we did our design episode. <laughs> we did another, another, I think it might be not our first one, maybe our second design. I mean, I kind of feel inspired coming off of this. In fact, some of the things that you said at the end, I, I really, I never really thought about that especially the kids apps and watching, you know, my nieces and nephews use those applications is also the input part of it is uh, very fascinating. Oh, yeah. So. I try not to be creepy, but anytime there's a little baby or kid using a device, I like to see, are they, you know, are they doing swipe gestures? How many fingers are they using? Is their tongue involved? You know, I want to know the details. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, anything else from you, Frank? nope um go visit art museums and come to seattle and check out the living computer museum it's that's awesome. that's true yeah and congratulations to friend of the show ken jennings for winning oh my uh, god <laughs> go he's the goat he he's is <laughs> what was uh, it uh gee what's the greatest of, of all time um, yeah i Let's don't like that i don't like the uh, acronym goat because i always forget what it stands for I know that it's something positive, but then like they, they would like, they're like, who's going to be the Jeopardy goat greatest of all time, because they know that people don't really know what that means. So, uh, all right. So yes. if, if you're not a nerd though, Ken Jennings way back when had the longest run on Jeopardy. He, he, I think he's originally from Utah, but he lives here in Seattle now. And so he's kind of a Seattle person and we love him and he's got a great podcast and you should go listen to his podcast. 
And, but then there was this upstart, this Corsican upstart in Jeopardy. And the question was, is this upstart better than Ken? And everyone thought for sure he's better than Ken. Ken, even on his podcast, said something along the lines of, he's like 20 years younger than me. Of course, he's going to be smarter than me and faster than me. Like, that's biology, kids. Um, so it was amazing to see them go head to head. There was a third guy, but I don't know who he is. Um, it was amazing to see him go head to head and Ken absolutely crush him because, yeah, local favorite. Welcome, Diner. Yeah, I will put a link to Omnibus, the podcast with friends of the show, both Ken Jennings and John Roderick. John Roderick. Don't forget that Roderick on the line. Uh, very good stuff. Well, thank you, you Frank, so much for just uh, being part of my design theory and um, helping me make better apps. You're welcome, James. We don't hate dark mode. <laughs> oh, I, I love dark mode. Love it. Love it. Love it. Go put that dark mode in. But don't forget. Beautiful design still matters, even in light and dark mode. So cool. All right. Well, you can find us everywhere on the internet, mergeconflict.fm. There's a button up there that you can follow the tweets. You can send us a message. You can do all the things. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Bontemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.